uh, David Jaquis is going to come share with, with us. David and, Con- and Connie are, are the, uh, David's the executive di- director at New Life Ranch in northeastern o- 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 Oklahoma. And uh, it's always a treat each year for us, David, for you guys to be able to come back to visit. So would you come and share with us, please? Thanks, Mark. Uh, first, I'd like to say congratulations to Taylor, who is getting his uh, Eagle Scout on Friday. Uh, Scouts was very big impact on me. I was an Eagle Scout. Jim Walker here, I know, was an Eagle Scout, too, when he was growing up. I can actually remember in the eighth grade uh, thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. The only thing I'm good at is camping and scouting. And you can't make a living camping and scouting, so I don't know what I'm going to do. But there's uh, ways to do that, so maybe Taylor will end up doing the same. As I was thinking about uh, what to share today, I would like to kind of talk about a principle or a lesson that God has been working, teaching me for almost 30 years now. It started when I was at Melanie Park. Uh, Connie and I came uh, to church here in 1976. Our good friends, Jan and Linda Whitaker, were already attended here. We were kind of wandering around different churches. Well, we get up, do we go to church today? Do we not go to church today? And when you're thinking about that, you talk yourself out of going to church more than you do go, go to church. We knew we needed a fresh start, and Jan and Linda were going here, and they said, you need to come to Bentley Park. And, and you'll find a home there. And we did, and obviously we did find a home here. And for many years we were involved in ministry. Uh, We helped start Boys Brigade. Connie helped start Pioneer Girls at the time. I was teaching fifth and sixth grade boys Sunday school class, ended up being Sunday school superintendent, ended up being an elder. We thought life was perfect. At the time I was working here in town at Edwards Electric, at electronics, a stereo and television store, and life was perfect. And one night, God got a hold of me and said, your trust is in Edwards Electronics. You're holding on to Edwards Electronics. I said, God, I'm Sunday school superintendent. I'm head of boys' brigade. I teach fifth grade. I'm an elder. I do all of this. I do all of this. God said, yes, but your trust is in Edwards Electronics. You're holding on to Edwards Electronics. And he was right. He wanted me to turn loose and let it go. And I did, and I came on staff here in, in 1984. A lot of us started catching the vision for camping. Uh, we started taking kids to camp, visiting different camps. We ended up going to uh, Lone Tree Bible Ranch in New Mexico. I ended up going on the board there. We decided to uh, start a junior camp called Fort Lone Tree. The first year in 1991, Melanie Park loaned us to the camp. We went to the camp, ran it for the summer, found it very hard to walk in June 1st and run camp for the summer. It was even harder to step back here August the 15th and get ready for all the fall ministries. God was saying, you're hanging on too tight to Melanie Park. I said, now, wait a minute, God. This place impacted us tremendously. This is where Connie was saved and baptized. This is where our kids were saved and baptized. It's been a great impact on me. God said, you're hanging on too tight. You need to turn loose. We turned loose, and we moved to Fort Lone Tree in 1992. It was very much a pioneer movement. A lot of people from here would uh, say the same thing. Whenever we opened it, we had a combination of tents and cabins and uh, lots of mud. And uh, it would rain. And as you walked along, you got taller because the mud was sticking to your feet as as you walked. And you got, but it was a great adventure. It was a lot of fun. And a lot of people from here was a part of that. And it was a tremendous impact. And God had already introduced us to New Life Ranch. And we found out they were looking for an executive director. We vis- I, showed it, I showed the ad to Connie, and as often happens, she knew instantly that we would be moving to Oklahoma. 
I wasn't so sure. Uh, Fort Lone Tree was four and a half uh, hours from here. It's three and a half hours for some of you, but for most of us, it was, <laughs> it was four and a half hours. People were always coming and visiting. They loved going to Rio Dosa, so they would come and visit with us. All the kids were coming to camp there. Uh, we were seeing lots of kids grow in their faith. It was a great ministry. We loved the connection. God, this is an impacting ministry. This is where I need to be. God said, you're hanging on too much to that ministry. I said, God, our flesh and blood is in this ministry. God said, you're hanging on too much. You need to turn it loose. We turned loose and, of all places, moved to northeast Oklahoma. I can remember at Capitan one time, one of our last uh, Sundays there, one of the ranchers from New Mexico came up to me and said, David, I never thought you'd move up east. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not so sure that Oklahoma is up east. He said, well, it's east of here, ain't it? So, so we moved up east to northeast Oklahoma. We've been there for 15 years now, and it's been great the way God has blessed the ministry. Uh, we've seen lots of kids come to know the Lord. We've seen families grow in their faith. We've been able to minister to community ministry, and Chase is going to talk about that more in a little bit. It has been fun, and we love it very much. But once again, God is saying, you're hanging on to that. New Life Ranch was started in 1958, so it's 53 years old. I'm only the third director in the history of the camp. Uh, I turned 66 in December of 2015, just a little less than three years from now. Uh, through the board and us talking about it, uh, we've agreed that we're going to retire at that time. The board said it's going to take about 18 months to find your uh, replacement. It took about 20 minutes to find my replacement. He's already been named. Uh, right now is doing a lot of the things that we're doing. We're in transition. And guess what God is saying? Don't hang on too tight. Hang on loosely. I've got something else for you. He hasn't been nearly as clear on this one as he was the others, what that someone else, something else is. Uh, you've seen the motorhome, some of you, when you pulled up, there's a motorhome out in the parking lot. That doesn't always happen at church. People come to church in their motorhome. Connie and I are leaving it to take a journey to visit uh, 11 different camps between now and the end of March. And part of that is for us to use our experience that we've gained over the years to try to help others. As we go to those places, one of my uh, things that I say God taught me, don't hang on too tight. Give it your all, but hang on loosely. And my message to all of you, what are you hanging on to? None of those things that I was hanging on to was bad. They were all good. But God didn't want me to hang on to them. Todd mentioned the other night that all of these missionaries are getting gray hair, white hair. We're getting towards the end of our journeys. It's time for a lot of you others to come and take our place. The first step in that is to turn it loose, not hang on too much, and see what God has for you. Thanks. This is going to be good. Uh, another one of the, fam the families that's part of our missions outreach are the McAlpines and of course we have them here with with us uh, each week and they're he they're he heavily involved in the work of the ministry here at Melanie Park but we also pray for Doug and for Sherry as they minister to foreign stu students uh, internationals here on the tech campus and then uh, Doug has responsibilities all, all over the, the United States and we've asked Doug to come and share a little bit, bit about what's go going on with them right now and it's always a uh, it, well, he's just gone all the time and stuff going on. So I, I always look forward to getting to his 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 newsletters uh, that that he sends sends out each month, just to see what's going on, who he's ministering to. And so this morning, Doug, would you come and uh, bring us up to date? Mark, you like getting our newsletters. I liked what you said yesterday. 
at the men's breakfast, he was talking about a passage in Revelation where it talks about how uh, people from every tongue and tribe and nation and people will be uh, gathered in heaven. And that is always just one of the most motivating verses that I can read. And that's some of what keeps me going with international students, is just going out and seeing these students, knowing that every nation is going to be represented as we stand before the throne. And it's just exciting to me. That's what I want, you know, seeing these students, helping them find the gospel, and then seeing that gospel go back to the country uh, through them. And so that's what we do. Uh, we have kind of a two-prong approach. We keep, try to keep our hands in some ministry here. Uh, there's a Bible study that we work with, uh, with international students, and just over this year, we've gotten to see uh, two different students come to Christ and get baptized with uh, this group, which is super exciting. But uh, really, that's kind of the smaller part of my job. The, the bigger part of what I do is uh, pr- probably best described as shepherding shepherds, taking care of the other guys that are out there on the field doing these same ministries all across the U.S. Now, when I talk about shepherding shepherds, it, it's pretty nebulous. And so I thought, well, let me give you some examples. Uh, just in the last... A week or two, here's a couple of the different conversations I've had with people. Uh, There was one staff who was a single man, was ministering in China, and his mom's health started declining. So he came back and has been in the States about eight years taking care of her. Well, she passed away this last year. And so he and I have been talking about what God wants for him. He's trying to decide whether he stays here and continues on or whether God might be calling him back to, to China. Another staff uh, has a health issue. Because of some nerve issues, she has pain in her hands. Anytime she types or drives, and trying to do ministry without typing or without driving has a different look. And so she and I were talking through, what will that look like? How does she need to change what she does with them? You know, there's another staff that's in Dallas who's focused on ministry to Middle Eastern students and has a great ministry there, has student after student that's coming and trying to spend time with them. And just the opportunities he has are huge. But none of the other uh, students are getting reached. And so we we were talking about maybe he needs another co-laborer with him, another staff person, build a little team so that they can reach the whole group of internationals that are there. And it's interesting to know that just in Dallas, uh, in North Dallas, there's well over 15,000 international students. So there's a little bit of work for him to do in that area. You know, and some of the discussions get hard. Uh, There's a staff whose funding is getting very low. And just for their protection and for the organization, we're having to talk about maybe cutting the salary. And typically as we do this, we have to do a 25% cut. And so imagine talking with your boss about your salary being cut 25%. But, you know, sometimes the hard things and the hard discussions are the best ones. And so there's a lot of struggles in the ministry. There's a lot of joy in encouraging the staff But to me, the other thing that's really interesting in what God is doing is in most of the places where there's struggle, there's huge opportunities. Uh, I don't know if you know this. The Saudi Arabian government has increased the number of students that they're sending to the U.S. by 50% over the last year. So they went from 22,000 to almost 36,000 Saudi students paid for by the the Saudi government that are in universities across the U.S., And many of those universities are where we have staff that are reaching out to them. So we have inroads into Saudi Arabia now. The other thing that I'm really excited about is down in Austin. Um, Has anyone ever heard of the company called Sinopec? I hadn't heard of it either. It's the fifth largest company in the world, according to Fortune 500. It's China's oil company. And so what they're doing is they're sending senior executives to University of Texas so that they can get some advanced work on degrees and work on their English a little bit. Well, these executives, as they were come, they come for six weeks, but they started realizing, you know, we're here in Texas. We're not getting exposed to America at all. And so they were telling this to the man leading the program who was talking to the person at University of Texas that's in charge of their connection, who's in touch with one of our staff. And so through this little connection, all of a sudden, our staff heard about it and said, we can help. And so our staff team down there has put together a program where they hook them up with host families. They take them out on outings. They t- do English classes with them. And so they're connecting with these executives and bringing them to ex- uh, a huge exposure to Christ. Every spring, one of the things they do is at Easter, they take them to church. 
Now, these are Communist Party members, high-ranking officials, never been in a church, never would go to a church in China, that are going to church, and they sit through the, the singing and the worship, and then they just kind of slip out, and they go in a little uh, room they have set up in the back, and they watch the Jesus film. Now, what an opportunity. And this group, you know, they're here for six weeks, and they will leave. Two or three times a year, groups of 20 or 25 are coming through. And so God has opened up doors like that for us to be able to connect with different students and see them going back to their country. You know, and that's what's exciting to me is the, the countries are being reached and people are coming to know Christ and it's going out to the whole world. Thank you. Are you writing all this down? This is great stuff. My goodness. Uh, the next uh, uh, cu- couple I want to recognize are Jim and Ellen Walker. They were tw- 22 years in China and are back now. They're one of the cu- couples that's in a time of tra- transition. They're back on home assi- assignment for a year, and uh, they're going to come share with us, or Jim's going to come share with us a little bit about where they are right now in their, in their journey and perhaps what's c- coming up in the future. Jim? That's great to be here, and it's interesting when Mark mentions transition. The first, first thing I think about is when Ellen and I, 33 years ago, flew from the mountains, the Great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina, to Lubbock, Texas. Talk about transition. We, we felt a little bit exposed. We wondered where your trees were. So, but um, it's, you know, it's been a blessing. Um, God had plans for us. It was in this church fellowship that he brought me to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and discipled us over the next 10 years. And then, lo and behold, called us out of corporate management into missions. We never would have dreamed that. Um, and we, you know, we thought that one move was pretty significant from North Carolina to Lubbock. But little did we know over the next 23 years that we would live in 16 different homes. Um, and so that's, you know, that's where transition gets in. But, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple of verses um, that I want, don't want to share with you. Um, Leviticus 25:23, when um, Moses is given the instructions that God has given um, from Mount Sinai and talking about the promised land, he says, This land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine, and you are but aliens. You are my tenants. And then in 1 Peter, we know the verse that, you know, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war wages war against your soul. Aliens and strangers. Well, we've lived in foreign countries where we are aliens, and we talk about coming back to America, and we talk about having different homes. But, you know, we only have one home. These are all our temporary homes. We're just tenants and, you know, our, our permanent home is our eternal home with Jesus. And so with that mindset, you know, we listen to God and try to listen to him. Um, I want to share with you just about our most recent transition. After 22 years with the China Campus Ministry, um, we felt in 2010 that um, God was directing us to come back um, to America to be more part of our children's lives and our family's lives, our aging family. And so we had a, um, a real blessing that we had one full year of 2011 to do the transition. We had the opportunity of handing um, most all of our responsibilities over to Chinese national staff. And so even though it was very difficult to leave many dear friends and leave the country of China after so many years, you know, God took us through it and he brought, and he brought us back. But it was certainly a year of transition. During that year, we also had to plan our, our final furlough to try to um, travel and see all of our partners in the United States. Um, in last, this past year, just between January and June, we traveled. We drove 17,000 miles, and we slept in 60 beds. And that's a little bit of transition, but because we didn't have a home, we'd given up our, we had, we'd given up our apartment in Beijing, and all of our, our things we had left there and passed on for others to use. And so, but, you know, God took us each step of the way. Um, you know, and then and just through experiencing that survey, I mean, that, that furlough, um, 
But God took us to, um, as our first year, in, in trying to decide where was going to be our ministry assignment, where was going to be our new home in America, our organization, Campus Crusade for Christ, had the wisdom to say, well, would you come to our corporate headquarters, to our world headquarters, which is in Orlando, Florida, where we have a team that supports our 25,000 staff that are in 191 countries all over the world, and spend a year with us. We'll provide you housing. We'll put you with a group of others that are going through the same transition um, of coming back to America that you are. So we've had the blessing this year now for seven months to be living in an apartment complex with 16 families and five singles, most of who have just returned from overseas like we have. And so we're experiencing this thing called reverse culture shock, getting to know America because it's changed a lot in the last 22 years. And so that's been a real blessing. Um, you know, we set up our first home in America and set up our apartment, even though we knew again that it was just temporary. We were just tenants because we were aliens and strangers. Um, We've had the opportunity to serve in headquarters this year while going through some development. They gave us um, some mentors who had been on the field longer than we had to help us through this transition. And so it's, it, you know, it's been a blessing, and we've gotten to see the bigger picture of Campus Crusade and what it's doing and let God cement where he might be leading us next. We don't have a final decision. In the next 30 days, we're supposed to be making a decision. We have lots of opportunities. Um, I think if you asked Ellen, she's already decided that our first grandson that was just born two months ago in Seattle is, is drawing her there. So um, we're, not, we're not sure, but we will stay with Campus Crusade and in, a, in a U.S. assignment. But again, we have, so we still have transition in front of us, and so we ask for your, your prayers for that. I just feel really blessed to be 65 years old and not having to be out in the corporate world looking for a job because I don't think I would be having as much success. It's a real blessing to be in a ministry that values our experience, and really there are many opportunities that are asking us to come be with them and to share some of our experiences. So we're still in transition. We will be moving um, in four months unless the Lord calls us to stay in Orlando, but, most, but even then we'll be moving out of our apartments. So do pray for us, you know, and um, we don't know how long we'll be in our next home, but we're still just tenants. We're aliens and strangers. And um, the verse that's held us together all these years, you're very familiar with, Matthew 6.33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, um, and all these things will be taken care of, will be given to you. God is in charge, and he's in control. All we've done is move ahead one small step at a time, and God has been so faithful and continues to be. Thanks for blessing us. Next is Gary Morris. He and Kathy minister among the Jewish population in Atlanta, Georgia, and Gary and uh, asked some of us to pray with him about some things that were taking place la last week, and and so he's going to come share with us a little bit about that, and uh, maybe a little update on the granddaughter, right? Okay, brother, come on. Thank you, Mark. Um, I was going to do what Mark said, but. It, it would, I think, take too long, and without giving you the proper background, I don't know if you'd appreciate it, but all, all the men who were at the men's prayer breakfast, uh, if they can remember, I'm sure they'd be happy to share with you. I thought I'd just make it a little more simple. Would that be all right, brother? Um, it is interesting, though. I hope you find out. But on the family front, <laughs> on the family front, um, we had our eighth grandchild, and Levi and Lara, who uh, my firstborn son and his wife are fixing to have their first right around Passover, Easter time. And uh, so that will be nine. And all three children and all the grandkids were in our huge, huge 1,200-square-foot uh, home this Christmas. And, <laughs> and we had all the stockings there, and it was uh, one of the best days of my life. And I thought, you know, if the Lord took me home tomorrow, uh, how gracious and what a gift uh, my life has, has been that he's given me. 
but hopefully he has a few more days for me. And um, little Piper, last night I got a, a text saying that they took her off oxygen. And for those of you who have been following and for those who haven't, uh, this is giant because now possibly Rachel can go home and the baby will just be on a feeding tube. And I know it's just one baby amongst probably <laughs> tens or even, you know, whatever in this room. But uh, many of you have been praying, and it's a great encouragement to our daughter, Rachel, that you are. Uh, we count every prayer. Uh, we just are so thankful for it. Raleigh has been teaching Bible up in North Carolina, and uh, they're doing well. And on the family front, everybody's doing well. Kathy says to say hello, and uh, if we get to come back this summer, maybe uh, she will be with me. On the ministry front, um, real briefly, the, the ministry in the synagogues is, is unbelievable. Uh, some of you know I've been to Israel several times over the years, and two times ago I was privileged to go into a, a church that had Israeli believers who were Sabras, born and raised in Israel, many of them still in the service, believers, Palestinian believers, Russian Jewish believers, uh, Chinese believers living now in Israel. And there was two other groups. In order to listen to the lesson, which was in Hebrew, we had earphones, and they were in seven languages. And you just picked your language, and hopefully it got through to you. Mine didn't, so I had to struggle through the Hebrew. But um, it, it was just, there's amazing things going on in Israel now. There's at least 10,000 known believers. And this is just in the last 15, 20 years. The Jewish people uh, nationally, worldwide, there's a fervor taking place that goes right to the heart of what I consider to be uh, the, what the Lord's given me to do, and that is to minister to, to, my, to the people, to the Jewish people, through the Bible. And you say, well, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty simple. Um, it is and it isn't, because the Jews have the Talmud and the Mishnah and the Gemara and all these books written by the ancient sages that they go through and adhere to very, quote-unquote, religiously. So to get them to go to the pure text, which is becoming easier and easier, is not only a blessing, but it's causing many of them to refocus on the Nazarene called Jesus. And uh, it's never been more manifest than the last six to ten months since Iran is threatening every day with vaporizing the nation. Many of you know that Israel is the metronome by which eschatology marches. You look at Israel, you know basically where we are on the prophetic calendar. So... The, the ministry that God has given Kathy and I, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's very, very simple. The culture we study is, comes out of the uh, Hebrew scriptures. Uh, what I need to minister comes out of the scriptures, Old and, and New Covenant. And um, so uh, we couldn't be more blessed. And then to have churches like uh, our home church, Melanie Park, where we were for years, be praying with us and supporting us on so many levels. Uh, we have nothing but thanks and praise for all of you. Thank you. I would in, encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to take a few days and go vi visit them and uh, go hear Gary teach on a thir Thursday night and then I believe there is at least one synagogue that allows Gentiles in to a study because he, he took us there one time. And it's a great, of course, you have to kind of saddle up and go. Okay, Those folks run at a high rate of speed all, all, all the time. But, but it would be a great blessing for you if you ever, ever had the opportunity to go, go see them. Uh, Chase Payne is going to come next. Chase grew, grew, grew up in this church and for quite a few years now has been also serving at New, New, New Life Ranch with his wife Erica and their four li little ones that are growing up in a hurry. Chase is going to come share with us a little bit. Chase. Well, thank you all for the opportunity. Just want to kind of update you all on us and the family and all that's going on out at New Life with us right now. Um, just on a complete history, I left the ranch, uh, or I mean, I left here to go to the ranch uh, right at 12 years ago to the day. Um, I was uh, arrived out there uh, February of 2001. Um, after that, I was able to marry Erica, and then in 04, we had the boys. They're 
will be nine um, in April. Yep. And then um, <laughs> they had to tell me over there. And then um, Reagan will be five this coming October. Molly will be two um, in May. And so it's been a busy last 12 years out there in the ministry. I work with our uh, community ministries area of ministry, which is one of about six or seven different areas of ministry out at the ranch. And what we do is we focus on relationships with um, local kids around the area that are in troubled homes and in rough backgrounds. For the past uh, 14 years, the program has really focused on a program called Right Lead, which is using horses as a bridge to reach the kids. Uh, About six years ago, we started a program called Right Quest that uses outdoor skills and outdoor initiatives to reach the kids and to build a relationship, just as the horses. Um, Over the past about four years, I've had the privilege of running that program. Just this last semester, I've worked on an opportunity to... um, hand that program off to another gentleman that he's going to continue running that program and has given me the opportunity to start another program that we're going to call Right Choice Ag. And instead of horses or outdoor initiatives, we're going to use other farm animals and other means of producing food as a bridge to reach these kids. And so the kids that don't like horses or don't like our outdoor stuff This is another opportunity to build these bridges and to build these relationships. Because farm animals are messy and don't quite fit the motif of the ranch, we asked permission, Erica and I and our family, to move off property to start this program. And so we're in the middle of transitioning to moving just west of the ranch. Uh, It's not far by any means. We're on the, the western border and just across the creek. But it's given us an opportunity to move off. We've got 13 acres that's right next door to my father-in-law that we are going to live on, a bigger house with another bedroom and um, a barn and a shop for us to be able to share what the Lord has blessed us with with these students. So right now we're in the middle of the transition of moving from house to house. We've got stuff in both houses and have to have everything out by about the first of the month. So that's when I get home, My next two weeks will be focused on getting everything out of the house that we've been in, getting it ready for the next people that are going to come in right behind us so that we can, um, a whole process. We're starting a big building camp or big building of new cabins, and there's a house that has to be torn down, and there's people in that house. So we've got to move so they can tear down the house. Um, And so, but where I wanted to go with this is over the years, Growing up in this church and with the many men that have poured into my life, one of the verses that I remember from back at Fort Lone Tree being taught to me was 2 Timothy 2.2. And it's talking about in the presence of all the witnesses. um, I skipped a page there. um, That what has been taught to us, we need to teach others to continue teaching on. And that's been evident from many of the men in this room and many that are gone. Um, and I've got the privilege of watching each of these other men that are standing here talking about their ministry leaving here. The ministry is continuing at the ranch. We have two gentlemen that um, came up through the program that are now one of them on resident staff at the ranch, another one that's full-time hourly, and it's all continuing on as these men that have poured into my life, and I'm able to then pour into other lives and so many others. There's over, David said it last night, four or five or six of us that have come up through the leadership program at either Fort Lone Tree or at the ranch that are now on staff at the ranch. So with what you've been entrusted to, who are you teaching and who's the next generation that's going The next person that's going to come share with us is John Walkup. Uh, John also served as an elder here at the church for several years before he moved away to be involved in the, his, his present ministry. And John is also one of those that's in a time of transition for more, more than one way. And so we 
glad you could be here with us to Thank share with <clears throat> Thank you, Mark. Um, I guess most of you, a lot of you at least, will remember that after a 27-year career at Texas Tech as an electrical engineering professor, uh, the Lord led uh, my wife Pat and I uh, into ministry to professors uh, through what is now called Faculty Commons, Campus Crusades uh, Faculty Ministry, and back to the our original home, the San Francisco Bay Area, where uh, we started ministries at Berkeley, Stanford, San Jose State, and, and uh, Davis. And then uh, <clears throat> some of you may remember uh, Starting about 10 years ago, uh, Pat wasn't able to come to a lot of the missions conferences. And the reason was that she'd contracted Lyme disease. And uh, uh, Pat always wanted to do things a little bit differently. She didn't trust conventional medicine a, a lot and uh, wanted to take various supplements that she would read about, etc. But uh, she should have been probably treated with antibiotics after the Lyme disease, but she wasn't. And uh, so she started kind of going downhill. And... Uh, then, um, you know, uh, basically, uh, we went through a, tr a huge transition last year in that, uh, the Lord in his wisdom took Pat home to be with him on uh, May 19th of 2012 and, uh, at the age of 70 and uh, from pneumonia. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people have asked me, well, you know, we're praying for you. Uh, how's it going? Uh, what, what have you learned about the grieving process? Well, you know, I had grieved the loss of my parents and uh, Pat's uh, parents. Uh, but when you lose your, uh, the, the primary person who's in your life for essentially the last 50 years, we had been married for, um, a month less than 47 years when Pat was taken home, uh, that's a huge transition. Uh, there's nothing, I can't even compare it to anything that I've ever been through. But, you know, uh, I knew a lot of people were praying for us. A lot of you here were praying for us. People in our church in, uh, in Danville, California, were praying for us. I just had a great sense of God's presence and, uh, and peace. Uh, and yet it's still not easy. Um, um, on the one hand, you rejoice. I, I have rejoiced that Pat's with the Lord. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And Scripture gives us so much confidence. You know, I, I know a lot of you knew Pat well. You knew of her commitment to Christ. Uh, some of you have seen uh, information from the, the folder that was prepared for her services. Uh, she, she really loved the Lord. Uh, she loved her family. Um, she was just probably the best person at giving grace to others that I have ever encountered. And she certainly had to give me a lot of grace uh, over the years. But... Um, so we rejoice in, in the, uh, the hope we're going to see her again. Uh, I've been, people have been sending me all sorts of books. C.S. Lewis's book, uh, Grief Observed, has is, is been helpful. A lot of other books. Um, <clears throat> in the family, one thing that really was encouraging is Amy, who is still single, <clears throat> moved home uh, immediately after Pat's death. Uh, Amy moved home from uh, her apartment in Oakland and uh, has been living with me. And that, that was a tremendous encouragement and help. Um, very interesting what's happened in Amy's life is that uh, Amy uh, started dating a uh, fellow who uh, I had known through our church. Uh, he and I had been on the elder board in, in, uh, in the church in Danville. He'd gone through a very difficult divorce a few years earlier. And uh, uh, it was interesting uh, that um, uh, Pat had read an article, which she shared with Amy shortly, about a month, I think, before she died, that uh, she read about a woman who met her future husband at her mother's funeral. And uh, Amy broke down crying and said, well, she didn't want to meet her husband at, uh, at, at her mom's funeral. But guess what? That's about basically what's, what's been happening. And uh, so um, Adam and Amy, when I came back from a ministry trip, I took shortly after, about three weeks after Pat's death to, uh, to my Dartmouth reunion, 50th reunion, um, um, Adam came up to me and uh, after a men's Bible study we're in and asked if he could start calling Amy or call Amy and I said sure and uh, so uh, they have been uh, kind of almost together constantly since then developing relationship Adam has three children between 11 and 8 and uh, of course it's, as you might expect Amy never having been married it's, it's a challenge to uh, not only 
develop a relationship with Adam, but also with his three children. And of course, uh, yeah, you know, this. Uh, please keep praying <laughs> for this. It's a very strong developing relationship. And uh, uh, but I, you know, um, let me just say this too about um, um, again just what I've learned in the whole process since Pat uh, went home to be with the Lord. Um, I'll just read you. A verse that I know we've all read and been familiar with. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And um, when Amy and I were selecting the the headstone that would go on on Pat's grave and what, what eventually will become mine after uh, I died because it's one of these double depths, I think they call them, uh, plots, uh, we, we thought of Philippians 121, and so that's, we put an abbreviated version of that on the thing, to live is Christ, to die is gain, because I think in thinking about that, that really encapsulates, you know, the whole, the Christian life is when, while we're here alive, Christ is the center of our lives, when we die, it's game. We're going to be with him forever. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what we put on the headstone. And uh, every time I look at it, I just, uh, I'm encouraged, you know, that Pat crossed the finish line. She finished strong. What's my goal? I want to finish strong. So uh, as I minister to, continue to minister to professors, uh, please pray that I too will finish strong. Thank you. La, la, lastly, uh, Keegan Williamson is going to come share with us. It almost seems like yeah, yesterday, but actually 29 years ago, they left here to uh, fulfill a call by God to go minister in the Latin culture. 29 years ago. Wow. Uh, you're getting old, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, Mark, one of the things I was thinking, I think you folks realize this, our wives ought to be up here also. Uh, everything we do is made possible by the wives God has given us. And sometimes I think it would be wonderful next time to have the wives come up and share their perspective of what our journey has been like. Uh, but they are essential, key parts of all that we do. And one of the things I want you to know they have a joy doing, just four weeks ago I was with a, a young pastor, and he was I was telling him about who I was, and one of the things I always loved to do is I told him about my journey with this church, and it is so exciting to see his eye, he just mouth dropped off, and he says, you have to tell me more about that. When I told him about the years we'd been, the men and women that have been sent out, and the vision and passion that this body of believers has, and I pray that you will not only seek to replace, but grow, grow the vision that God has given us, not just get an equal number. But that's, this would be something that would always, for years and years to come until the Lord returns, characterize this body of believers. Uh, just real quickly, you know I've been through, I think you know our family's been through a, a, a transition. Cam uh, International last year went through a change of presidents. I was the interim president. And in that year we had a convocation and gathered all our missionary body. We rebranded to Camino Global. Uh, we uh, elected and appointed a new leadership team. And towards the end of the fall... Uh, I definitely felt led of the Lord, was glad for that experience, but realized that my tenure in executive leadership was ending. Um, we also downsized and sold our home in that process. It was just a year of challenge and blessing. And I am going to commit myself, which has always been a focus of my ministry for really all my life, but certainly over the last seven years, to uh, leadership and spiritual formation. I want you to know, I don't believe there's any distinction, but we have those terms, so I say leadership and spiritual formation. You can't do one without the other. And a program we call Quest, and if you're familiar with the word, a Quest is an is a, uh, adventurous pursuit of something noble. And we know as believers, our adventurous pursuit is Christ-likeness. And the vision of Quest is to encourage Christ's servants to remain faithfully engaged in their pursuit of Christ-likeness, and that's really what I want to give the next 10 years of my life to, is in doing that, uh, and uh, there's five areas we work on. Really, I want to help leaders grow and develop holistically, that they're healthy spiritually, but is also physically and emotionally, relationally, and they're growing professionally and in their life skills. 
If you, I don't know if you know this or not, but actually the three top reasons that people leave the ministry generally have to do with physical or emotional exhaustion or some lack of a life skill or relational skill. It's either a divorce or they don't know how to handle their finances. Uh, but it's those things that we often forget about that take people out of the ministry. And mine, pray for this. I want to challenge leaders to understand and commit to caring for themselves. One of the biggest things I have to overcome is teaching or, or, or helping men see that biblically care and the nurturing of oneself is a biblical mandate. It's not, it's not self-centeredness. It's not selfishness. It is biblical. And uh, I want to encourage them to know how to do this and be faithful, be faithful at it. And uh, let me give you just a quick story. A story the greatest need in the majority world church is leaders. And in 1981, we sent a group of men from this church down to Lima, Peru. And we were with, if you remember, the Encounter with program. Some of you will remember that. But there was a revival going on in Lima, and thousands were coming to Christ. And we became a part of that for about eight years. And I was part of the initial team. And I remember leaving out of the first visit. I was just awed with all that was doing. We were leaving, and two leaders said, would you wait a minute? And we sat back down, and, and they said, would you pray for us? We are tired and weary. And I'll be honest with you, I thought about that, and I I thought I I would imagine you are with all the Bible studies, all the campaigns, all the follow-up. But to be honest, I probably thought, you know what, there's so much going on, you'll be encouraged and you'll make it. Well, the Lord took me back in, in 1982. We got to that part of Lima, and I said, where are these two men? And they were both out of the ministry. One had had a moral failure, and the other one had had emotional and physical issues. And God reminded me of how I had failed to pray for the men and women that lead. And I'm convinced that's one of the reasons it's still the greatest need in the majority world church. And I think you know there are 50 men and women a day who leave the ministry here in the U.S. We need to pray, as Doug was saying, for leadership. Pray for the leadership God has given us here at Melanie. That they'll be not only healthy, but, but passionate in their walk and their faith with the Lord. And the men in the majority world, what makes their needs special is most of them are bivocational. They work 50 to 60 hours. Uh, they have little or no formal training. And unfortunately, we have left a model that godly men suffer for a lack of income and a lack of, of many things. And that's considered a mark of honor. I don't see that in Scripture. I believe we should care for and honor and bless our leadership. Um, and they live in a world that is stressful. As, as Jerry shared the other night, and she did it very graciously, Mexico and Central America is some of the most violent parts in South America of the world today. Their world is an uncertain world. I, I deal with leaders. I was just uh, talking to several at my last conference that received calls regularly threatening them that if they don't give money and do certain things, their kids will be hurt or they will be hurt. Uh, There's assaults and robberies, and again, it is a world that is full of chaos. And they live in that world. They work full-time. They come home on Friday night, and they're expected to put a message together, to somewhere rest and make pastoral visits and see their church grow while they uh, care for and live uh, as men and women and families. And the cost is high. I cannot tell you uh, just the devastation you see in families, how sad it is to see pastors that have lost their own children. And we need to pray, uh, and I want to commit myself to caring for those. Uh, this year, uh, I'll be doing that on site. I'll be, I'll be in Mexico, Spain, Salvador, Honduras, and here in the U.S. Uh, I would ask, pray, the Lord will help me to find a rhythm and a balance in that that he will provide the finances that are needed. It's, uh, believe it or not, I can do a five-day conference and have up to 25 people and travel and go for only about $1,000. But sometimes that figure seems enormously high. Uh, pray the Lord provides for that. And mostly, you know what's amazing? is the problems we all have as broken people. But when you come and you're yielded to the Spirit and you're given some tools in God's Word, God does miracles. And it is so fun to watch God bring healing and wholeness and health in the lives of leaders. Uh, So please pray with me. And I want to leave uh, this verse with you. And it really expresses a lot my feeling for us and, and exhort. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated 
at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. May the Lord bless you and return to you in multiple ways what you have so abundantly given us. If we were in Guachochi today, it'd be about time for the ser- sermon, right, Jerry? Just about, about ten, 10 after 12, it's about time to start the, ser- the sermon now. I'm not going to do, do that, though. Thank, th- thank you so, so much for you all c- coming and sharing w- 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 with us. I do want to fin- finish reading two and a half ver- verses with no co- comment on my part. But this is for the Melanie Park Church family. Third John, verse 6, 7, and 8 says, listen to this church, you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such men and women so that we may prove ourselves to be fellow workers with them for the truth. Let, let's pray. Father, we just want you to know that we've been blessed beyond measure this weekend to have our dear friends back with us and, Father, to have new friends with us. Father, to be reminded of your great love for mankind and your great desire that all men come to a knowledge of the truth. Father, to be reminded that you are not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Father, for being reminded over and over again this weekend that you called us to be your children and you called us to be your ambassadors to take your love and the message of salvation to our families and our jobs and to every tongue, tribe, and nation. Father, as we think about this, we look forward to the time when we will see you face to face and join the millions around your throne, praising you, our great God, and worshiping our great Savior and King, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the way that you bless us each day and ask, Father, that you protect these as they travel back to their places of ministry, their homes and their families. And, Father, that you would continue to remind us each day that we are not our own, that we have been bought for the most precious price, and that we are yours. Father, we ask that you would use us for your honor and your glory for the sake of your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen.